May God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. May God take our hearts and set them on fire. Amen. When I was, when I was a child, around 10 years old, I had a hobby, rock collecting. This is something my father and I did together. We had relatives as far north on the west coast as British Columbia, and so every summer as we traveled up and down the west coast, we would stop on the side of the road and I would carefully select rocks that had rough edges. My father purchased a rock par, sorry, my father purchased a rock tumbler. Now you may remember these uh, from the 1960s, these were very popular. And let me explain that a rock tumbler is a very simple device. It's a small cylinder or drum that turns round and round nonstop for hours, even days at a time. It rotates like a chicken on a rotisserie. Now, mind you, nature has been tumbling rocks for millions of years. You can picture this, rocks falling down a hillside or rocks lining the bed of a stream. And it's the same you know, hydraulic principle. With a rock tumbler, you put your rocks into the cylinder along with a little bit of water and grit, like sand or gravel. And it's the grit that makes the rocks smooth rubs away the rough exterior and it polishes your rocks. At first, when you start your project, you want your grit to be coarse, like sandpaper. Coarse grit knocks down the sharp edges. Then every couple of days, you move on to a slightly finer grade of grit until you reach the final stage of tumbling, where the grit is almost like a fine powder. And the rocks will lose their rough exterior and change shape and become rounded. So I would put my rocks in with water and grit, and I would listen to the satisfying sound of thwack, 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 as the cylinder turned and the rocks tumbled against each other, and the sound assured me that something was going on. Then at the end of the predetermined time, we would open the cylinder, we would open the cylinder and pour out its contents. Lo and behold, rough rocks had turned into polished stones. What went in as nondescript and jagged, a dull shade of gray or brown and bumpy on its surface, was replaced by shiny, smooth objects. And the, and the color palette was amazing. Warm earth tones like burnt umber, ochre, shades of green and sienna. Brown soil, green leaves, a cloudy gray sky, as well as the red sun. These were the things that were reflected by these colors that are timeless and found in nature. These colors come from naturally occurring minerals containing metal oxides that have been used since prehistoric times as pigments. Cave paintings done in Siena 35,000 years ago still survive today.
there is this breathtaking moment in rock tumbling. There is this breathtaking moment of wonder when you open the tumbler and the rocks reveal their hidden treasure, their beauty that had been invisible when they were lying alongside the road. I would choose one from the bunch, and my father and I would go down to the local rock shop and have the stone set into a piece of jewelry, like a pendant or a brooch. Then I would give these treasures to my mother. I have one on today, a show and tell. I have a bracelet that I had given to my mother and my mother wore. If anyone comes to me and hates not his father and his mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Luke 14.26 Letting go of attachments, making preparations for the future. Jesus made some hard statements during his ministry. This one is hard to reconcile with other teachings and established scriptural principles, like the fifth commandment, honor thy mother and father, which would have been well known by the disciples. This one would have served to separate the mildly curious crowd from the truly committed. Only true disciples of Jesus would have stayed with him after hearing these things. This passage is often referred to as the cost of discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book with this title, The Cost of Discipleship, an exploration of what it means to be Christian in community. And this leads me to the concept of family. Family, whether we mean family in a biological sense of lineage and genealogy, of being related through DNA, or we mean another kind of family, one that is beyond biological links, a family of kinship that is an alliance or affinity. In either case, no matter what kind of family we're talking about, we all have known the hidden treasure beneath the rough exterior, love. Love forms the ground in determining how we relate to, care for, and affect one another. Jesus tells us that we must hate our families. Actually, I like to think that this is an instruction not to sever our ties entirely, but to change their very nature. When our children grow up to become adults, at least in healthy relationships, they would relate to their parents in a new way. So I grew out of this hobby of rock collecting and polishing these rocks within a couple of years, and I stopped giving these baubles to my mother. But I like to think I moved on to sharing my affection with her in other ways. The Gospel writer in Luke tells us that the crowds that were following Jesus on his way to the crucifixion were faced with a difficult challenge. Jesus instructs them, detachment from the only family they had ever known was necessary for their salvation. It was a challenge to follow the way of Jesus because it meant putting God before all else, even before mother and father, even before one's self. Could they do it? It's called a transition moment, and I've come to believe that it is the only place where real change can occur.
My wondrous joy when I open the rock tumbler and out tumbles these gemstones. I wonder not how did this happen, but rather when did this happen? When was the moment that the dull rock gave up its rough exterior and showed its hidden treasure? The moment that it passed from being one form into another. This is a moment of transition or a moment of transformation that happens out of my sight, almost literally in a black box, right, in the cylinder. This is a moment of transformation that I can't see happening, but I trust that it is there. I trust. I feel that trust in that place in me that knows. In my knowing place, I realize that change is necessary and is happening. I must release my grip on my rough exterior like the stone and allow the grit to rub off my sharp edges in order to reveal the heart. The transformation is about becoming detached from some relationships in order to be, to, in order to be attached to another. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the transition zones in our lives are incredibly rich places filled with grit. These places should be honored, even savored in our lives. Even with all of the pain and feeling of being out of control that can accompany transitions, they are still the most alive, most passionate, and most expansive moments of our lives. When you follow Jesus, everything changes, including and maybe even especially the strongest, most natural ties a creature can have. Love is stronger than death. And the Christian hope is this. God is not a thing, not a substance, not a white man with a long flowing beard, but a relationship. God is relational And our greatest hope has to be that we are in relationship with God and we are set as a seal upon God's heart. If you are longing for others to make this discovery, yearning for everyone to be set free from the prison of shame, wouldn't you be furious with anyone who stood in the way, who appeared to be inhibiting this vital transition? Because you have discovered the most powerful force on the planet, the love and new life that comes as a free gift from God. This love, which is intentional, unconditional, and sacrificial, this love is the heart and soul of the message of Jesus. If we can't receive this love, this hidden treasure, then how can we give it to others? Imagine all of your hatred, all of your frustrations and failed hopes and self-rejection and suppressed love, all being transformed into beautiful acceptance, wondrous joy, and everlasting companionship. Wouldn't that be a miracle of sorts? Wouldn't that be what Jesus calls entering the kingdom of heaven? Some call this the beloved community. And it consists of each of us, right here and right now. 
In this light, church suddenly becomes a place of gratitude and celebration, a time when we gather with others to whom God has given this free gift of faith and hope in a new way of being. As a people bonded by trust, we are filled with God's abundance, and we, dis- we, we discern how best to share this abundance of love beyond the four walls of this chapel. <coughs> It is the way of Jesus, and in Jesus we see the very heart of God. C.S. Lewis, the theologian, wrote something like this. He wrote, When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. Insofar as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God, I shall be moved toward the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest. In other words, what C.S. Lewis is saying is that the more we love God and put God first, the more loving we will be toward our families, ourselves, and one another. It has to be a conscious effort on our part to be open to the love of God in Jesus, to receive that love for ourselves, and then offer love to others as we feel called. Love, honor, and providing for one's family are long-established virtues in Scripture. God has called us to love, honor, and provide for our families. Even more, God wants us to love ourselves, to honor ourselves, measured not by the world's calculus, and not in the sense of putting ourselves first before others. Nor does God want us to feed our egos or focus on building our own failed kingdoms. God whispers to us that we are loved, being created by God. When we understand how much we are a beloved creation of the master artist, there's only one view of ourselves that we can come away with. We are God's natural masterpieces. Let us close with a prayer. May God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short, grace to risk something big for something good, and grace to remember that the world is too precious for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.